thank everybody for coming and staying today. Turn please with me to Amos chapter 4. Amos chapter 4 and verse 12. And we're only, I'm interested in the end of this verse, but I'll read the whole verse. Amos 4 and 12. Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I will do unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. That's the phrase I'm interested in, is prepare to meet thy God. Turn, please, to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 and verse 19, we'll start reading it. Luke 16 and 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man died, and he was and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. This, I, I wasn't planning on speaking today. Um, found out this morning that I would be speaking. And, but I had uh, I'd read an article this week that it, wasn't, it was a newspaper story. Um, that really, there's a couple things in it that really touched me, and um, it's kind of what I wanted to speak about today. Well, it spurred what I wanted to speak about. The thought there, prepare to meet thy God, is what I'd like to talk about. There's a man in the city of Boston. He was a talk show host, nighttime talk show host for 15, 20 years up there. His name is David Brudnoy, and he has battled a few different illnesses in his life. Um, most recently, about a year ago, he had some sort of cancer that uh, was very rare and very debilitating, but he somehow beat it and it went into remission. But the cancer returned recently, and it's taken him downhill very, very, very quickly. Um, 
he was doing his radio show still until the last show he did was on Monday night, less than a week ago. And the Friday before then, he had checked himself into the hospital because he was in such pain in the Mass General. But he still went forward and did his show on Monday. Um, on Tuesday night, he was unable to make it to the radio station, so he did a little bit of a broadcast from his hotel room. And on that night, I'm sorry, this was Wednesday night that he did that. Tuesday he wasn't on the air. Wednesday night he did a broadcast from his hotel room, or from his uh, hospital room where he wanted to say basically goodbye to all of his listeners because he knew it was going to be a matter of hours or days at the most that he was going to live. I want to read a little bit of what he said. He said, I'm ready. I'll read the article here. I'm ready, said Brudnoy, 64, in an interview in his room at Massachusetts General Hospital. Oxygen tubes in his nostrils and the light from a picture window highlighting deep caverns that have opened on his face. I've said numerous prayers within the Catholic tradition and other tradition, he said. I think whatever happens, I will be able to contend with it. And he followed it up and said, I don't believe in pitchforks and harps, added the declared agnostic. It touched me tremendously when he said, I think whatever happens, I will be able to contend with it. This is a man that less than 24 hours later was dead. Thursday night he died. Less than 24 hours later, after he said this, he was dead. I think whatever happens, I will be able to contend with it. And this is a man who was an agnostic. He did not know. An agnostic says, I don't know whether there's a God or not. There may be or there may not be. This man was dead less than 24 hours after saying, <clears throat> I think whatever happens, I can contend with it. Friend, that man right now, unless something happened in those last 24 hours, and it's doubtful that it did because he went into a coma shortly after he made this last broadcast, that man is in hell right now. He is not prepared to happen with whatever happens, and he cannot contend with it. There is nothing worse that could happen to anybody than <clears throat> what has happened to this man now. Throughout his life, he, it was, there was many articles about him, how that he had touched a lot of people, and he was a sinful man, no doubt. I mean, he was very sinful, um, lived a very sinful lifestyle. But he was very well regarded, very highly spoken of. And, and also in the article, he talked about, you know, he says, I look back on my life, and he says, you know, I was nice to people. And he says, you know, I think, I think looking back on your life, what more can you ask for than to be nice to people? And, you know, people will judge me by what I was. Friend, God is going to judge him. He was not prepared to meet God. Prepared to meet thy God. He was not prepared at all. Didn't even know if he believed in God. Said numerous prayers, he says, in all different traditions, but none of these things would have saved him. He was not prepared to handle what would lie before him. In Luke chapter 16, we read about two men. We read about a rich man, and we read about this poor man, Lazarus, and we read that they both died. And one of them was not saved, that was not a believer, and he went to hell. And we read there that in torment, he lifted up his eyes and just begged for a drop of water. That's how bad it was. All he wanted was a single drop of water 
to cool his tongue because he was tormented in the flame as we read. This man had had everything he wanted in his lifetime, but he was not prepared to meet his God. I would imagine that man would say the same thing. I think whatever happens, I will be able to contend with it. He wasn't. He had no idea what lied before him. And when he was in that situation, when he was in hell, he lifted up his eyes. And in torment, he just begged for a drop of water. When he found out there would be no drop of water given to him, because there was a great gulf fixed between him and Lazarus, he said, well, at least please send somebody to talk to my brethren. Warn them not to come to this place. That's all he was thinking of at that point, of how awful it was. This man, this David Brudnoy, I guarantee you, he's thinking the same thing. Thinking, you know what? I was not able to contend with it. I was not ready. I was not prepared. And now I'm in this place of torment. And there's no let up whatsoever. It's forever. It will continue on forever. You know, God is not... We hear people say, or I hear people say sometimes, that, you know, God is a merciful God. God would never punish somebody for eternity. Why would God do that? God is good. Why would He allow something like that to happen? Friend, God is a very merciful God. He absolutely is. But God is also very holy. And God cannot stand to have any sin whatsoever in His presence. He hates sin. He loves the sinner. So how do you marry the two facts that God is holy and yet God is merciful? They're married in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and His death on the cross. Because God is merciful. God is merciful in that He has provided salvation. The only reason why any of us will be punished for eternity. You know, you think about this. We're going to be punished because we're sinners, if those, any that go to hell. They're going to be punished because they're a sinner. But the only reason why they have to suffer, the only real reason why they're being punished at this point, besides the fact of their sin, is that they have rejected the Savior. That's the reason why people in hell are being punished, because they did not avail themselves of what was offered to them. This man, this David Brudnoy, that's why he's in hell right now. He did not believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for his sins. It's that simple. It's that simple. He did not believe that, and so therefore he is paying the price. He is paying for the punishment of all of his sins throughout his life. You know, this man, 64 years old, not, not that old certainly, not that young either, but you say, you know, he's 64 the kind of cancer that he has, it's very rare, it's unlikely I'm going to get such a thing. What are the chances? I mean, I've got a long time to go. I've got a long time to live. Friend, you know what? There's a verse that says, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck, hardeneth his heart. And, Father, and we would think of how that this verse would talk about how that the longer you listen to the gospel the more callous you become to it. The more often that you hear us up here preaching, the more, the, the more times that you hear the warnings about going to hell, 
of how you need to be saved, of how you need to be prepared to meet God, the more callous you become to it. The harder it is for the Spirit to get through to you. So friend, by the time, if you're not saved, that you reach the age that this man was, 64, you may think that, well, you know what, I, I'm not like him, because I know that there's a heaven and a hell. I know that I'm not going to be able to contend with whatever comes. I wouldn't make such a boast. But friend, I'm telling you, you can't contend with it right now. Don't worry about the end of your life because we don't know when that's going to be. Right now you can't contend with what comes next. You don't have to wait until you're 64 and have less than 24 hours to live. Because what's coming after this life, if you're not saved, is worse than anything that could ever happen to you in this life. Friend, it's terrible. I don't know what we can do to awaken you to the, the realities of hell and how awful it is. How that there will be just tremendous pain forever. How that there will be just memories that will never die of every single time you heard the gospel. Every time the Spirit strove with you and you thought, you know what, I really should get saved. You know, I, I hope you've had those thoughts. I really should get saved. I really do need salvation. How many times have you thought that, friend, if you pass into hell, if you pass into eternity not saved and you're in hell, you're going to think about every single time that the Spirit was striving with you and you rejected it. What is it going to take to wake you up? What is it going to take to make you realize that you need to be prepared for what lies next? Prepare to meet thy God. We don't know when it's going to happen. None of us do. I think whatever happens, I will be able to contend with it. I hope nobody here is foolish enough to think that, and I don't think anybody is foolish enough that's not saved to think that they can contend with it. But then I ask, that makes you... See, you know, stop here for a minute and think reasonably or with logic. If you don't believe in a heaven and a hell and you don't believe in those things... It might be fairly logical to think that whatever happens next, you could contend with it because you've contended with lots of adversities in your lifetime. But friend, I, I don't think there's anybody here that doesn't believe that heaven and hell are real. I, at least I hope not. I think everybody here believes that. And I think everybody here believes that there is a God. And I think everybody here probably believes that the Lord Jesus Christ was His Son and was God and died on the cross. I think everybody here probably believes that. And friend, I also think that everybody here probably knows deep down that whatever happens next, you're not going to be able to contend with it. So this man passed into eternity blind to the realities of what was ahead of him. If you were to pass into eternity today, would you pass into eternity blind of the realities that are ahead of you? I doubt it. I think you're going to know, I think you know now very well what lies ahead of you. And I think you know the awful future that awaits you if you don't get saved. This is no light matter. This is nothing that we sit here and talk about for a half an hour or however long and then you just go off and go do your own thing? Friend, this is your soul we're talking about. 
How much, how differently or how could we plead with you so that you would realize this is your soul. This is forever. There is nothing more important than this. What is it that's hindering you from being saved? What is it? Is it other priorities? Is it that you just don't know how to be saved? What is it? There's nothing more important than this. We say that over and over, but it's true. Friend, you need to be saved. Prepare to meet thy God. Are you prepared? If you're not saved, you're in no way prepared. And your punishment... You know, I, this man, this David Brudnoy man, I have no idea how many times in his life he would have heard the Gospel. He talks about the prayers he made in the Catholic tradition, and while there's certainly a lot of darkness in the Catholicism, there's also some semblance of the Gospel there, so my hunch, my, I'm sure he had heard the Gospel in various times, or heard parts of the Gospel. But you know what? I doubt that he heard it as much as everyone here has. I could be wrong about that. But as he's in hell right now, he's thinking, you know, I wish I would have believed. I wish I would have listened to those opportunities. Friend, think of all the opportunities you're going to be thinking about in hell. Think of all the times when the gospel has been faithfully preached to you. Think of all the times when people have pleaded with you that you would just wake up and realize your need for salvation. Friend, you're going to think of all those times for eternity. Nothing is going to be able to cross your mind other than the solemn thought that I listened in that gospel meeting yet again. And yet every single gospel meeting I was ever in, I listened and I was a little concerned. But then I went down and I ate lunch and I forgot about it. Or I was concerned and I went home, but I wanted to play video games or I wanted to go out and do this or do that. And the thought passed from my mind. Friend, those memories are going to be with you forever as you're in torment, begging for a drop of water. Not a single person here has to go through that. That's the good news of the Gospel. This message has been very sad so far, but the good news of the Gospel is that nobody has to go through that. The Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross. He suffered there so that you can be saved. He didn't suffer there for His own sins because He had none. He was a perfect, spotless sacrifice of God. He was the perfect thing which brought together God's holiness and God's mercy. He was the thing that brought the two together so that God could still be holy and could still maintain His holiness and yet God could be merciful. The Lord Jesus Christ was the perfect substitute for you so that you don't have to suffer in hell for your sins. He passed through it all. He bore the punishment of everyone's sins. But friend, you have to believe it. There was another quote in that article, same article, and this one was by the governor of Massachusetts. And he said, the two most important days in your life are the day you're born and the day you leave. And the next part of this, which is very interesting. I, I actually would say that there's, for those of us that are saved, there's a, the most, that would be the most important day of our life. Apparently this man doesn't, isn't saved or something. But then he continues, on the day you leave, you measure your life on two things. 
what you're taking with you and what you're leaving behind. What he's taking with him is a soul that's pure, honest, and full of character and integrity. What he leaves behind is literally millions of listeners who have gotten new perspective and insights from his unprejudiced voice. Sad. Sad. What he's taking with him, he's speaking of this David Brudnoy guy, is a soul that's pure, honest, and full of character and integrity. Friend, is that what you're going to tell God? God, I'm honest, I'm pure, I'm full of character and integrity. Are you judging yourself against God's Holy Son? Are you as pure as the Lord Jesus Christ? Because if you're not, you fall short. What things can you take with you? You measure your life on two things, what you're taking with you and what you leave behind. That's what this man said, this governor of Massachusetts. What are you taking with you? Are you taking with you a life of rejecting Christ? And do you expect that you're going to be able to deal with what comes next? Friend, you can't. You cannot. There is nothing in yourself. That man, and by the way, this man, this David Brunley, was a very sinful man. He lived a lifestyle that was extremely sinful. This man was not pure, honest, and full of character. But even if you were the best person on the face of the planet, outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, even if you were Mother Teresa or anybody else, whoever, the, even if you did the most amazing things for people, would you really be able to stand before God and say, God, I'm pure, honest, full of character and integrity? I don't think so. I don't think anybody here could stand before God and say that they're pure. The Lord Jesus Christ was pure. He was all of those things. And He suffered upon the cross. The one that never needed to die, the one that never had to die, suffered there for your sins and for mine. It's all you need to be saved. You know, I look back on my own salvation and I struggled with believing for quite a while. I knew I needed to be saved. I don't know if there's other here, others here that were like me or not. I knew I needed to be saved. When somebody would speak a solemn gospel message, when they would speak about hell or heaven, I knew that I didn't want to go to hell. I wanted to go to heaven. I knew I needed to be saved. And I would leave and the thoughts would go away. Or the thoughts would come back and I'd think through them and I'd struggle and say, you know, I just can't get it. What is it? What is it about salvation I just can't get? And the thoughts would go away again. Other thoughts would come into my mind. It wasn't until I really came to realize that you know what? All the time I had been trying, I never had come to the realization that I really needed salvation. Oh, I, I thought I wanted it because I didn't want to go to hell. But I never came to the realization that I really needed it, that I needed to be saved, that there was nothing I could do that would save me. There, you know, that's one of the problems is, is we oftentimes speak about we say, well, you've you, you got to believe. Well, that's you doing something. I had to realize that there was nothing I could do. I couldn't do anything. And it wasn't until I realized that, that you know what? Me, at 13 years of age, who had listened to every single gospel meeting that I'd ever been in, and I was in a lot of them, 
in every single Sunday school lesson or whatever and heard the gospel literally thousands of times. Every single time that I had heard that and all that I knew, I finally realized, you know what? I really don't know how to be saved. And it was then that I got saved. I realized that I was a lost sinner. I realized my need. I realized that I was a sinner headed for hell. And when I finally realized that I was a lost sinner in need of salvation, that's when believing was easy. The faith, putting my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ was easy once I realized that I needed Him. Friend, you need a Savior. You need to be saved today. And you know, this message is twofold. It's to warn you that you need to get it handled. And it's also to try and help you realize the importance of getting saved, realizing that you need a Savior, realizing that you can't do anything on your own, but you need to be saved. That's what we're speaking about here. I want you to think about those words. I think whatever happens, I'll be able to contend with it. What do you think, friend? Whatever happens, are you going to be able to contend with it? If you live to 64, or if you live till tomorrow, and you're not saved, you won't be able to contend with it. This man is in hell right now. The man who said those words. Friend, it's a solemn warning. Prepare to meet thy God. Don't be like the rich man. Don't be in hell praying for a drop of water, begging for a drop of water. Don't be in hell saying, you know, somebody go tell my brothers and everybody how awful it is here. Don't be like him. You can be like Lazarus. You can be like any of us that are saved. And you can have a future in heaven. You know, those of us that are saved can actually make that statement. I think whatever happens, I'll be able to contend with it. Because we don't, it's not just think, we know that what happens is not whatever. We know that what will happen will be wonderful. We'll be easily able to contend with it because it's a lot better than anything we have to contend with here. And friend, if you're say, not saved, you cannot make that statement. We pray that and hope that everybody here would realize their need for salvation. Come to the Savior before it's too late. You can be saved right now in the seat where you sit. In closing, I'd like to sing a couple verses from number 260. 260, where will you spend eternity? This question comes to you and me. Tell me what shall your answer be? Where will you spend eternity? Eternity, eternity, where will you spend eternity? We'll sing the first and second verse of number 260 after we pray, and the meeting will be over.